Welcome, everyone. It is the Fly Guys podcast. Justin Goodard alongside Cameron Klein here in the loft of Bucks County, Pennsylvania, here in Newtown. Cameron, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Uh, the newest of towns. Feeling great today. The weather's starting to actually get a little bit nicer as opposed to last week where it was like a win- it was winter again. You so say that's that, cool. but we're about to go into a stretch of like four days of rain right before opening day for the Phillies. <sighs> so don't don't jinx it. Speaking speaking of Phillies, yes. This this we're filming this on a Monday. We're not used to filming on a Monday nope, because we have no. a very special guest. Well, we're not filming it either. My friend. We're not filming. You know, we're recording. Audio, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a recording. <laughs> Let's bring him in right now. Um, I'm so excited. Very I, excited. I've been waiting for this for a long time. We finally have the chance to make it work. He is the producer for the Marks and Reese Show on 94.1 WIP. He is the host of the High Hopes Podcast. His name is Jack Fritz. Jack, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Is that how the, it gets introduced at Penn State Harrisburg? Or is that, is that like a similar level intro? Yeah, that, felt, <laughs> that, felt, that felt pretty big. So I'm excited to be here. I'll tell you what. Uh, because I'm the public address announcer out there and the play-by-play guy, you get the best of both worlds where I can, you know, <laughs> really give you a good intro. But Jack Fritz, who is not only – Cameron, not only is he someone that does what we do in terms of a podcast and does what we dream of doing, of being on radio – the man's also a PSAC guy, so he just he just knows Division Two ball better than really anyone, including us. Yeah, it's really rare to find somebody who, when you say, "Oh, I went to Shippensburg University," they actually know what you're talking about. Exactly, it's a, it's a privilege. He he knows exactly that we had nothing to do with our time out in that college. Because <laughs> and he what, what was there much to do in Bloomsburg, Jack? No, there sure wasn't. <laughs> um, you know, there really wasn't. But it was a great time. Uh, the PSAC is the greatest. And I, uh, you know, it's good to talk to a fellow uh, PSAC, you know, uh, schoolgoers. So that's it's the fact that, that it keeps. The the, you know, well, dude, I didn't know. Like, so I didn't even realize I was a, not. I, I didn't. I never called it the PSAC. Um, it was always just what we called it. And then, and then I said, and I was like, oh, that does sound odd. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, many say that the uh, that the PSAC is the SEC in Division Two baseball. So. Um, <laughs> So it's good to be here. Well, we got the equivalent of Cy Young now with us for yeah. for this episode. You know, the PS from the PSAC pitching staff of Bloomsburg. Yeah, believe it or not, early on in our radio careers uh, at at, at Shippensburg, they we were instructed very early on. PSAC. Do not say <laughs> PSAC. I got in trouble on a broadcast for a football game once because I said PSAC, and then our director of broadcasting. Like got on the phone, was like, "You cannot say that. That is inappropriate." <laughs> I'm just—I didn't even realize what I was saying in that moment. It just sounded natural to say. I know. I think I'm pretty sure I said it on WIP, so uh, <laughs> I should probably—I should probably take that one out of the vocab. Um, but yeah, it's. It's the PSAC. All right, we, we cleared that up. It's Absolutely. PSAC. And one other thing we're going to clear up is the status of the 2022 Philadelphia Phillies. And one of the most exciting moments for me is to get the chance to talk to you about some baseball because just listening to the podcast over time and listening to how you talk about the team on the radio, I can feel your level of excitement for this Phillies team. And there's so many things to kind of look at when we get into this Philadelphia Phillies team going into the year. They added the two explosive bats in Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. They added some relief, you know, in um, uh, the, the new closer, whose name I can never say. I know it's Nabel. I know I always want to say – Corey Knabel. Knabel. I always want to say Knubel because I'm so used to, like, the old flyer, Mike Knubel. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jack, he's back. He's pitching. He allowed a three-run home run today, but I'm just going to pretend that that didn't happen. Um, right now, this Phillies team – 
it just has the feel of a team that sh- not only should get back to the playoffs, but a team that could make some noise. Where do you stand on what this team should be going into the season? You know, it's so funny. Um, I just feel like everyone's afraid to say they think the Phillies are going to be good. Like everyone's, everyone's like, oh, well, they're they're going to hit, but you know, pitching and defense and yada yada yada. You know, we've all followed baseball for a long time. This is easily one of the best lineups I think we we've seen top to bottom put out there. Um, you know, in in baseball, and I just think that. Like, everyone's afraid, in a way, to kind of go all in on this team and believe again. And I get it. I mean, the last couple of years have been rough. Um, you know, just when you want to believe and buy in, they go out to freaking Arizona and just <laughs> lay an egg. And it's like, well, what? like, really? This is what we're doing? Um, but I guess I keep coming back to this, is that they won 82 games last year. And in September, they had Jorge Bonifacio batting in the five hole. Uh, Reese Hoskins was hurt and Bryce Harper hit 358 after Reese went down. Um, you know, like the, they, they weren't that talented of a team, you know, they're dealing with Eflin being out and the bullpen being a disaster and they still won 82 games. So now you're adding in Nick Castellanos and Couch Warmer, which I don't know about you, but every time I see the lineup, I still get a little, <laughs> like, I just can't believe it's real. Um, so I just think that they 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 weren't that great last year, and just this whole roster makes a lot more sense. You know, I was worried about Canaveral, I guess, um, not from the stuff wise because stuff I've always loved it, um, but just staying healthy, strengthening. Uh, I didn't watch the game today yet because I was obviously doing the show, so I did not see a three run home run. But don't care, he's back, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I just. I think that, that their floor is a lot higher than people are making out to be. I know defense is going to be bad, but, you know, if, if they start stopping at third base, and I actually don't think Schwarber is that big of a disaster in left, and I think Gurley and Moniak are pretty okay in center field. I, I Shortstop's really the only one that's – and first base. Those are really the only two positions that are definite negatives. Other than that, I mean, stop having shortstop range at third base is massive. Uh, I think Schwarber is better than Kutch, and and I, I just don't think it's going to be as disastrous, I guess, as people make it out to be. So obviously, the offense is going to be the most exciting part. You know, I, I look back, and my favorite, you know, obviously besides the World Series team, I look back at the 2009, 2010 Phillies offense where they could put, you know, they scored like 800 runs in both those seasons, and they just looked like, you know, at any point they could explode for a six-run inning, and you just you couldn't stop them. It's obviously the pitching and the defense, as you mentioned. One guy that you get asked about all the time, obviously, is Aaron Nola. But I wanted to also ask you about, while it's important that he bounces back, how vital, or or maybe not even vital, but like, do you believe that Ranger Suarez can continue to build off of an incredible year last year where he finally got to show all that talent that we saw back when he was in the minors and we didn't really get to see it that first time when he came up a couple years ago? Where do you see Ranger you know, fitting in with this Phillies team? Well, you know what's funny is – I actually wasn't a big Ranger guy when they brought him up. Like I thought he had a uh, pretty good location. He knew how to command. Well, he definitely knew how to pitch, um, but he was still 91 miles an hour. Like it wasn't anything crazy. Mm-hmm. And then last year he comes up and it's like, Ranger Suarez is throwing 96 now. Um, so he went from 91 to 96. Uh, I thought that slider was a really, really good weapon. Um, and then the thing that I loved the most about him 
was he could really tunnel his changeup and his fastball really well off each other. He had this little two-seam-ish fastball, and he'd throw a two-seam change. So, but he would have this 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 two-seam fastball that you know he could have tailing away to to righties and off the in the lefties. But then he'd pair it with a really nice changeup off that to move in a similar plane, but obviously have more uh, depth to it. So uh, the key to that is that it looks the same out of the hand. And I thought he did a really, really good job with that. Um, it was a really tough at bat for righties, like just when they're sitting on fastball, they'll have a change up in there. And then, I don't know, he was really, really good at, at getting that fastball in on guys' hands, which uh, is surprising. So, you know, do I expect him to pitch to a one five nine or whatever he threw last year? No, <laughs> of course not. Um, but I think, is it, is it reasonable to expect three five-ish? Um, and giving them six innings, three runs or less, every single start out there and most starts out there, I think that's completely fair. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be, like, you know, in the, in the twos, because I think that that's just where elite, elite starters are, and I'm not sure he's that. But I just think you're going to get a really solid starter um, that's going to give them a ton of innings. Uh, I love his... I love his makeup, you know, never gets too high, never gets too low. It's just like, it's just even feel maybe to a detriment, um, you know, just kind of just chills all the time. Like a and, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, a little Hurtsy, a <laughs> little uh, Folsy, I guess. Um, it's just, it's crazy how calm he is, and I love him. And believe me, if he if he went out there and threw it to a 2-5, I wouldn't even be surprised anymore because he, uh, he has kind of defied my odds. Uh, ever since last year. So I, I can't wait to see what he does. And, man, if they get Ranger anywhere in the low threes, I mean, the upside of this rotation is just is just pretty massive. I mean, that would be obviously a big plus given that, you know, the, the pitching woes of the past couple of years. Um, and obviously, speaking of his of his calmness uh, at the at the plate, I want to ask you, as a fan, your calmness going into this Philly season, given – you know, going from Matt Clintac and the, the the situations that he kind of put this team into, um, listening to recent episodes of High Hopes, hearing that your hopes are quite literally high, no pun intended. Um, we, you know, we mostly cover the Flyers here. So right. for us to kind of see the, the hopefully our future, because the Flyers are in a similar situation that the Phillies were a couple years ago where they're kind of going into cap hell. Um, it seems like they're going to be going through this possible rebuild that doesn't seem like they're fully committing to it. It's going to be just not great. Um, and then, you know, the Phillies lose Clintac, they go to Dombrowski. I mean, just talk about your overall excitement with Dombrowski, how big a fan of you guys are and how, how much confidence that gives you moving forward as a fan. So hopefully, I don't know, some Flyers can take something from that to try to look forward to see what could possibly happen for them. Well, I mean, it, just in loosely following the Flyers, it seems like that their ownership isn't as committed to winning as it seems like John Middleton is. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I said it's more than fair. And it didn't say. always look like that, Jack. Too. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Believe me, we covered it. Like, I, I think I got to a point, like you know, the week before Cassian or week before maybe Cassianos, I was like, listen, he's never going over the tax. It's not worth even talking about. And then, bang, a week later, Nick Cassianos is a fill. So. You know, it can change. Um, but, yeah, for me, <clears throat> I was not a, a big Dombrowski guy. Um, you know, I, I guess I kind of had this fear. I, the, his most recent sp- uh, stop was Boston. And in Boston, his only goal was to take that team and, and put it over the top. And 
Um, you know, they traded away all their top prospects and and went for it. And yeah, they won the World Series in 2008, but I mean, or 2018. And but now it's like they gave Chris Sale a, a huge contract extension, and he's on a 60-day IL and and all that <laughs> stuff. So like, <laughs> like he was he just worried me from the standpoint of just going for it. But what I didn't account for is what he did with the Tigers, really, I guess, because I, I, I just remember the 2012 Tigers that were like, hey, we have Miggy and Scherzer and Verlander, and let's just go buy Prince Fielder um, and, and add him to that. So I kind of just had this – I didn't think the Phillies were in a spot where they should be trading away whatever prospects they had to try to build a team that I didn't believe in. I wanted them to take a step back, uh, get things moving in the right direction, get uh, everyone kind of on the same page in player development and figure out the draft. And I guess what I think he's done really, really well is, is he has kind of gotten everyone on the same page. They have a, a Phillies way now, you know, I just know that back in, uh, you know, the contact years, like they brought in smart people, but they never knew how to implement them. So you bring in like the analytics, so-called uh, the analytic people and they wouldn't mesh with the older folk and the older folk would complain. And like, there's a ton of, of, of fighting within the organization. And what Dombrowski did was like, Hey, let's get everyone on the same page. We're going to mix analytics and old school and teaching with, with biomechanics. And like, they've, they've just, they've, they created, I think a nice balance and, you know, everyone freaks out about the system, but I think they have legitimate talent just in the lower level. So you know, ever since he's gotten here, Brian Barber is already here. He kept him around. Jason Ochar, the, the PD guys from Driveline, they were already here. He kept them around. And I just think that they're at a point now where they can have a major league roster that is over $200 million and can pay Kyle Schwarber and pay Nick Capianos. And they're going to keep adding to them. They're going to keep – they're going to have minor leaguers able to come up and – and and contribute to this team it's not like they're just going to have these guys and they won't be able to supplement the roster around them like there's there's talent up and down minor leagues they're in the, the battle levels at the moment but i think two years from now we're going to see much more talent uh start being homegrown and then supplement the rest of this roster because you have to i mean you, you can't you can't have a 240 million dollar payroll all the time unless you're the dodgers so I just think that the Phillies for the first time in, you know, maybe since the beginning of Gillick um, oh. are just a really smart, well-run organization that is, that is, that is trending in the direction that the sport is trending in and um, they're flexing their wallets, which is great, but it, it took a while. It took a just completely blowing the, what should have been an easy rebuild. Um, they, they blew it, but we're here now. And, uh, I really think they're moving in the right direction. So, you know, and you mentioned like, you know, the big fear with Dombrowski was, you know, he was going to offload a lot of these prospects. And then you look at the prospect pool and for a long time with the Phillies, it has just not looked good. But then this spring training comes Mickey Moniak's crushing the ball. Bryson Stott's crushing the ball. I just got to say too, I think there needs to be a good Mickey in baseball. At uh, all times. I mean, yeah. At it's, all times. It's, it's, a, it's a top-tier baseball name. It, it's the best. I would hope to think that, you know, your next – if you haven't already done it, you're five at five, Jack. Like, top baseball right. names. I would like to think Mickey would be on your name in in, in that in that list. Oh, 100%. It's, it's <laughs> like – like, even before, even before uh, like, the whole Mickey thing, I just remember, th- like, tweeting out, 
you know, Mickey Moniak is too good of a baseball name to fail. And, <laughs> you know, it looks, looks like he might be turning the corner here. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so, you know, you talk about those prospects. They're finally making their way through. And Matt Vierling, it's not been like it's been a phenomenal spring, but he's a guy that we've seen him be able to hit the ball really hard. And then, you know, there's still some like, hey, Andrew Painter, he's in the system. Mick Abel, he's in the system. And then I look at Alec Bohm, and I and I heard what you said oh. on your podcast, and I and I just gotta, I want to make sure I get this as clear because you seem to be pretty convinced that it's a change of scenery situation, which you even noted is like something we hear all the time in Philadelphia. It yeah. doesn't have to just be the Phillies; it's the Eagles, it's the Sixers, it's all this stuff. Yeah, um, it's one of those things that seems like certain athletes just kind of can't handle that type of Philadelphia pressure. But the thing is, is like, do the you expectations think after two seasons, is it really that far gone for? Boom! That there's just there's no way we could turn the tide here, and he could find his way in Philly. Uh, no, I think there is. Uh, I guess I just think that the organization's in a different time period. You know, they're they're trying to end an 11 year playoff drought. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think that they have the patience, almost at this point, to deal with it. Um, which I know sounds bad, but um, I, I, I like defensively, I don't ever see it um, mm-hmm. really ever happening at third base. I still believe in the bat. I just think it's going to take longer than a couple months with, with Kevin Long. Um, and I, I guess I guess my more thing is, like, if you can get a starter or, you know, put him in a, in a trade package for a starter, I almost think that would make the team uh, better overall um, and you take a chance on him kind of figuring it out elsewhere. But I do, I, I do still believe in the bat. I, 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 you know, what he did, I think, in – 2020, I don't think was some aberration. You know, I, I believe in the bat at Wichita State. I just, I always felt like he needed to lift the ball, and you know, it's just it's been, it's been a struggle to to get him there. Uh-huh. Um, but he's got to he's got to figure out how to drive the ball in the air because ground balls just don't work. And and um, so I don't think he's like a total lost cause. Like I still believe in him um, at, at the plate. But I just I listen to the quotes and I I. I hear him talking about like I know I can hit fastballs and, and I'm just saying to myself it's in his head like it's just it's so far in his head when it comes to like oh uh, I know I can hit fastballs and when I don't like he seems like it, it kind of affects him really heavily it feels like he's trying to win the job every single at bat at this point so yeah it kind of looks like he's overwhelmed um, and I do think he's going to make the roster out of spring training but I don't think a couple months is for at triple uh, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Just just try to get him some non-pressure at-bats while he's kind of going through a swing change here. And, you know, you hope you can get the best out of him. I just think that I just have this fear that it's not going to change that much. And they're a team that's trying to end a, end, a, end a playoff route. And I just think that Girardi lost a ton of confidence in him last year. And, you know, I think he's going to try to put the best uh, starting nine he can out there. I'm not sure how you can make the case that that's a bomb at this point. So uh, one other thing, uh, you know, that we wanted to talk to you about, Jack, was, you know, just some basic, like, you know, odds, you know, for the season and everything like that. Cameron likes to do a segment where, you know, we go through some, you know, parlay, some betting, and uh, we also wanted to do some over-unders for the Philly season coming up. So I'm going to turn things over to Cameron, and he's going to ask you some questions. You just got to give us the over-unders on it. All right. Yeah, really, dude, we often just do, like, uh, three bets usually to end the show, like, toward the end. Um Usually they're always hockey related or whatever's coming up for the weekend, but obviously since we're having you on, we wanted to go a little bit more of the Phillies route. So sure. we have a couple things here overall, um, under over. What, what do you think the likelihood is that between the th- big three, right? Castellanos, Schwarber, Harper, 
we see a hundred home runs between those three guys? Oh, uh, man, that would pretty much take, that would take like a 40 burger out of one of them. And then two thirty Homer seasons. Uh, I will say they won't do that, but I don't know. I mean, like, the, like Harper with all the protection down the lineup. I, I think, I think Castellanos will be like twenty-eight to thirty-two. I think Schwarber will be like right at thirty-one, and then I just, I have a feeling that Harper just goes bonkers this year. I don't know, like. <laughs> Every time I see him in the spring, I'm like, is he the best hitter in the world right now? It's um, it's unbelievable how it's like, you know, the the dude doesn't work. Obviously, we have the lockout and everything. Obviously, he's probably still working out in his spare time. Yeah, he course. picks up a baseball bat for the first time since the season ended for the Phillies, and it's the, he doesn't miss a beat. He's unbelievable. And, and to, be honest, to be honest, like, I wanted Bryce as much as anyone in the world. Um, I, I didn't think I was ever going to see this level of player again. Like, I – I was pretty convinced that 2015 was going to be his best season. Um, and he is, you know, I never really had him in the, the Soto, Acuna, Tatis kind of realm. But, I mean, he's so far there now <laughs> with those guys, which is ridiculous. And um, I'm glad to have been, you know, proven. Like, I thought the Phillies were getting a really, really good player um, that was still entering into his prime. But, like, man, he has just turned into – a guy who's better than the 2015 version, which is an insane offense season. It's just, it's remarkable. And uh, I just think, I think he goes bonkers this year. I think he was plus 950 to win the MVP. So um, I don't know. Not terrible odds. That's, that's a good, that's a good bet. I think that's pretty good odds. I, I think it's a good, I think it's a good bet. You mentioned, too, um, you mentioned it would probably take a 40 burger for them to, those three to reach the three. So I actually gave the numbers to Cameron. What, uh, tell Jack what Utley, Howard, and Burl did in 2008. Yeah, so I don't have them individually, but all together, between those three guys, they hit 114 in 2008. Which is, is just unbelievable what the, those teams did in the late 2000s. It is, yeah. We were watching the highlights the entire time waiting for this phone call. Having a great time, by the way. Um, I got, to, yeah, I got to show Cameron the Cliff Lee catch in Game 1 of the World Series against the Yankees. The amount of swag. I mean, <laughs> dude, it's ridiculous. Wait, was that your first time ever seeing it? Or wait, so, what's going on? Yeah, so I, like, I've not really, I'm not a big baseball guy. I've really, I'll, okay, ah, I grew up okay. as a Dolphins fan. My father had DirecTV, so we didn't have the luxury of having Comcast growing up. Um, so for me, I started falling, falling in love with hockey by myself around the age of like 11, 12, 13 years old. And those are my two big two sports. It wasn't until college where I started paying attention more to basketball because of sports radio and whatnot. So I kind of, you know, I was around when the Phillies won the World Series in 2008, but I wasn't really following. And I, you know, I didn't feel right celebrating for a team. I didn't have the the pains of the the suffering the losses for. But um, but yeah, so this is all this is all new to me. It's completely opening up a brand new world, which I love because I love sports wow. and I love new things. And finding new things to get excited about to annoy my fiance and about is says, my favorite. Who says baseball is dead? We got, you know, you could it can still recruit fans. It, it yeah, can. It can. I mean, yeah. I'm just like that's wild to me. You know, I mean, that was like the that's. But I could not imagine falling in love with baseball if it wasn't the, if I wasn't a fan of like 07 to 11. I, it's 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 so crazy because I you know when I first started watching my first season watching the Phillies was 2005. The first like game I went to, they played the Expos at the Vet in 04. And David Bell hit a three-run home run in that game, so he became my favorite player. Which every time I oh, hear, so every time I hear you talk about <laughs> David Bell, I'm like, man, I can't tell him that I used to love David Bell. 
But um, well, dude, listen God, to this. It was the worst. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you could so you, bad. It could be worse. You could be me. I have a, a T-shirt, a Dolphins-themed T-shirt with Ryan Tannehill on it with the Hope logo oh, that Obama God. did. Yeah. So oh, you want to you want me to you want to empty out my closet? Don't get me wrong. It's just as embarrassing. So what other bets we Whoa. got for Jack? Okay, the other under over. Speaking of winning games, um, we uh, again going mostly off of Justin's guidance. Um, under over eighty eight wins on the regular season. What do you think about that? Uh, listen, they're going over, and I- I'm so sick and tired of the whole. Look at- <laughs> Damn right, they're going over. <laughs> Maybe eighty six. When when when? Oh my gosh! Like, dude, they're gonna they're gonna mash the the rotation is not. People are so like, oh, we gotta get more pitching, and, and it's like, hold on. Oh, I mean, I mean, Wheeler, Nola, Ranger, Eflin is a really good four, mm-hmm. and then Gibson's, you know, just give him six innings, like give me six innings for four runs, like I'll take it. And then, like, I don't know, I, I maybe I'm just bullish on the bullpen, but like, at least they have stuff, you know. At least there's guys <laughs> back there that they could, that I know, like have 98 in their back pocket, like even like Nick Nelson, who's gonna have to take down a ton of innings early in the season might get healthy like he has actual stuff so um i just think people are afraid to uh buy into this team but i think if you're looking at the team from the outside looking in i feel like most people would say 90 wins so i'll, I'll take the over on that I'm, I'm feeling pretty positive it might be the week the Phillies are back that i'm feeling extra positive but I don't care. Like, they're, they're, they're winning more than 90 games. I mean, you know, in terms of just excitement, like not only was I excited to do this today, I mean, I'm wearing my Steve Carlton jersey. I've got my Phillies hat on. Like, I feel great about the team. Um, I love how you mentioned, you know, Kyle Gibson. Like, yeah, Kyle Gibson, just get us, you know, four runs in six innings. And whatever you do, Kyle, just don't use that freaking curveball, you, know, you know, to try and get people out. That's what I remember right. you saying most in the last episode you did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do love – I don't know. Our podcast is so weird. Like we'll be, we'll be like just doing stupid stuff, and then we'll be breaking down like why well, I don't think Kyle Gibson's curveball is like, <laughs> like a like a viable pitch well, uh, like, going forward. Your breakdowns are phenomenal. The way that you talk about hey, hey, he's got this pitch, and you know he's able to get it over like on two O counts for a called strike, and he's really good at location on his slider. He introduced like a new uh, um, a cutter that, and like listening to it. You know, like, I love how James Seltzer, like, when you were finished, was like, yeah, totally. And I just had to laugh because, like, <laughs> that's how I think most people are going to listen to you going that. But it's so interesting because you're a pitcher, obviously. You pitched at an extremely high level and for Bloomsburg. Sure. No, extremely sure. high level for people that don't know. Yeah. 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 And it's, Seriously. It's, it's really awesome to listen to that stuff. And I loved how you talked about Nola with the cutter and everything, how he's going, you know, he's all over the plate. Like, he's able to, you know, pinpoint that cutter and it looks very good. But it's that whole... O two. I don't know, and this is one question I wanted to ask before we go on to the next one, which is kind of ironic because it leads into the next yeah, one. Yeah, it's very much Aaron so Nola centered. The O two pitches that they're crushing for homers on on Nola. How much of that do you put on Nola's inability to get a guy out on O two as opposed to JT not calling the right pitch? Um. So for me, with JT, it comes down to a lot. Um, he tries to get too tricky in a way, like. It, I think JT thinks almost too much like a hitter at the plate where it's like, oh, let me just throw a bunch of curveballs in a row. Well, the thing when you throw a bunch of curveballs in a row is that the uh, <laughs> major league hitters see it more often. Um, so the more they see it, the more they can do adjust to it. So my thing with JT is that he always gets away from the fastball too too quickly. And especially the guy like Nola, where he thrives on fastball command. And so far in spring, 
Um, I think he's actually looked good command-wise uh, with his fastball, like getting it back to both sides of the plate. Because for me, his stuff is only really good when it's playing off that fastball location. Like, it's only – that's the way – if he throws curveball over and over again, guys hit it. So, honestly, <laughs> I think it's sort of a mental thing right now uh, with him where it's like – I don't know how to explain it other than he's thinking about O2. I got to get this guy out. And I think he's trying to make almost too perfect of a pitch. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to make too perfect of a pitch, you're not, you're not throwing and you're not pitching. You're thinking too much. Um, so, you know, I think I really just think he needs one hot streak where he kind of gets everything back rolling and he, he's getting out because if you look at everything else, it's pretty good. But the, the thing that annoyed me with the whole peripherals argument is like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, well, he's allowed a ton of both two home runs and anyone that gets on base, anyone that gets on base or in run and scoring position is kind of scoring at this point. So, you know, he just isn't able to kind of get the put away. He wasn't able to be a stopper last year when he needed to be a stopper. It's almost like when he gets confident and he gets rolling, we can get Aaron Nola back, but until he can kind of do that again, I just can't trust him. Um, now, his last start, I thought, was really, really positive. Um, and actually, the, the home run he allowed was, like, a really good pitch. You know, like, I, I'm not going to get mad at that, but that Spencer Torvalson's like a, like a freak hitter that was able to, to square up 95 on the hands. Like, that's – sometimes you got to tip your cap to the other guy. Um, but the 0-2 stuff, yeah, it's just – it's almost like he has to just get on a roll a little bit and hopefully that he can kind of put it behind him and just go. But it feels like there's this little mental thing where it's like I, he can't just fully put it together. And so that brings us to our last uh, uh, bet question. Cameron, go ahead and ask it. Yeah, entirely entirely around Aaron Nola. Uh, under over 376 ERA. I'm going under. I, I'll put him right about 3-5. That's just my, my general feeling. I think last year was a bit of a disaster year. And and even in a disaster year, is still like a four four, I think. So yeah, you know, I think that I think he'll I think he'll get back on track. I don't think we'll ever see you know twenty eighteen Nola ever again. But uh, just early, it seems like his his location on his fastball is much better um, than it was last year. And it's actually interesting. Um, you know, he's actually figuring out how to pitch up in the zone a little bit. And that's something that I thought he struggled with last year. Like I wanted to see that fastball down, 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 down. Um, but it looked like, at least in his last start, that he's able to kind of combat the launch angle movement by getting his fastball up under the hands. Uh, like the pitch to Javi Baez sticks out um, that he got him in the first. So um, I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, you know, him being at around a three-five. But I think betting on him getting back to 2018 levels is just is just too far gone at this point. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the, like, the high stuff. I just uh, The one game I'll never forget from 2018 is um, his gem in Washington. And mm-hmm. I just remember how he struck out Bryce Harper twice going with the high heater. And now that you mentioned, I just I do remember, I do think about how he tries to keep everything down with that cutter stuff. And in 2020 and 2019, I kind of noticed it wasn't cutting as much. And then 2021, it just felt like he just could not get that cutter which, I mean, it, it, it was just – it was so painful to watch some of his starts last year. The guy can get 14 strikeouts for every nine, but the, the, the home runs were just unbelievable. Yeah, well, and then he, like, also 
<laughs> he tied Tom Seaver. He's like, yeah, ten strikeouts in a row. Record. It's like, oh, like come on, man! Like, can you just can you just go on a little bit of a run here? And then, like, it felt like every time he was about to kind of get over the hump, it would be like an O2 homer, or a guy would get on second base and it would kind of unravel. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Padres, the Padres starts a perfect example where it's like. He's dominant, looks to be Aaron Nola, and then allows a game time home run in ninth. It's like, <laughs> man, we just we can't buy him. So Dude. I hope he gets on a roll. Hope we can get him back. Um, and for my fantasy team purposes, I kept him, and I need him Look to at you. Uh, provide a good a good return on investment for me. Look at you, you believe in Aaron Nola to keep him on the fantasy team. Well, okay, yeah, so to clo- important things. So to <laughs> you know. Final topic, we want to talk about what else is going on in Philadelphia right now. The Philadelphia 76ers are 48-30. and 30. Yep. Um, they've been sputtering, to say the least. Uh, the It has not been pretty in the wins that they've got, and some of the losses have had me ripping out what's ever left of my hair right out of my head. Yeah, it is, it is a little coincidental, too. You have another team that kind of went full 100% offense, uh-huh. seemingly with this trade for James Harden and everything. You know, you relate that kind of to what the Phillies are doing now. but it's It's been... Jack, it's been it's been painful. I I don't think James Harden's been a disaster. He obviously has not been like, and I don't think I thought he I was gonna get 2018 James Harden. I certainly like just like how Aaron Nola, I'm not getting 2018 Nola. I just didn't expect to see so many nights where I look at the box score at the end of the night and the Sixers have lost to the Bucks and he's like four of 16. Yeah, he's got like nearly a triple double, but I I don't see how this team makes it out of not, not especially not round two. If they get a team like. God forbid the the Cavaliers or the Celtics in round one. How the hell are they making it out of round one at this point? Yeah, I mean they. Uh, it's almost like they made a trade. And it's it's like oh championship this year, um, and then the more you watch, it's like yeah, Harden's probably not the same guy. Like I still think there's a useful player there. Like he's definitely not yeah done done. But like even last night, I mean his final stats looked fine. But, you know, late in the game, he's struggling to get past, like, Laurie Markman. <laughs> and I'm like, are you, like, what are, what, like, what are we doing here? Uh, the three-point shot is, is brutal. Um, not finishing his nice round rim. You know, I hope that in the playoffs he can kind of turn a uh, – flip a switch a little bit to see glimpses of the old guy. But, I mean, if you're telling – like, he's obviously going to – he'll probably opt in, um, which is whatever, but – if you're, if you're telling me I got to pay that guy like what sixty one million uh, a couple years from now, like just sounds like it sounds like my nightmare. So um, yeah, it's 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 not great right now, and um, I don't know. I just I don't have a good feeling about where this is trending. You know, you have Harden not playing that well. You have Embiid back on the MVP thing. It seems like he's kind of moved away from winning a championship, and then like. Doc is it's like throwing James Honor hard and under the bus after the game. Like, sure, that's gonna go well. Um, so I, I just it seems like the the vibes are a bit off right now. You know, even on offense, the ball is kind of sticking in Harden's hands and you know not flowing and moving well. So it's it, it's not great right now. And and it, what's crazy about the East is like it's just so deep now. Oh yeah, I mean, the East used to be terrible. Um, but even like Charlotte's a, a fun little team that I wouldn't really be thrilled to play, and like Brooklyn's <laughs> like not fighting to get into the play-in games, and I don't know, like the East has just taken such a step up in in competition that they can get knocked off by anyone. Now it should be better than last year. I mean, obviously we know Ben's a disaster, but um, and Maxie's taking a, a different step forward, uh, so 
you know, they're better than last year, but I, I just, I, I, unless, unless those two go nuts for a series, I just, I can't see a, a finals or, you know, expecting an Eastern conference finals for at this point. Yeah. I keep holding on to the hope that, um, they're just kind of in cruise control mode, right? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of my fear. My that's hope is I that think they're that's just what kind everyone of everyone is hoping for. Yeah, like they're they're keeping you know the the extra monster inside the closet that they're going to release once they go into the playoffs. But at the same time, I'm 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 I kind of know what reality is, and and through the eye test, it just doesn't seem to be to be going that way. Um, yeah. But so my so here's my thing about um you know with this team and everything at this point, Jack, it just it feels like a foregone conclusion that assuming they don't get at a round two. If they even get to round two, there's no way they can bring Doc back, right? Like, there's no way Daryl's gonna. Well, I know Daryl's not even the GM, but like, they they can't bring him back after this. You you can say that all you want until yeah. until Doc Rivers isn't the coach. I still think he's gonna be the coach. I think I think I think Daryl likes him a lot. You know, um, he tried to to get him to Houston uh, for a long time there. That didn't work out. Um, Harden just raves about him in their in their in that opening press conference and, and stuff like that. Um, but you know, <laughs> it wasn't like a week after they made the trade, there was already D'Antoni leaks out there, which is which is like fine. But also, Mike D'Antoni is the same thing. Like, what does what, what Mike D'Antoni want? You know, he, he invented fast pace basketball. Offense. Yeah, well, well, cool. That would be like 13th in pace in yeah. today's league. So, <laughs> like, cool. Um, and then the Houston teams, I mean, they they came up short as well. So, um, cool. You'll you'll fire. And believe me, I, I, Doc is is infuriating. It's just the the D'Antoni thing is is like that's our big idea here is going from Doc Rivers to Mike D'Antoni. Sounds awesome. Yeah, so my question then, if it's not Doc, obviously, because another thing, too, that a lot of people keep saying, and, and I, I've got kind of this feeling the Sixers are going to say if they try to keep him is, you know, the roster's depleted, there's nobody on the bench, so on and so forth. There's a lot of talk about Bradley Beal throughout this offseason. I mean, what do you think they would have to do during the offseason if they don't go far this uh, playoffs? What do you think they would have to do during the offseason to kind of be that extra push forward if it's not a coaching change or something like that? Well, you know, if they get Beal, that's obviously great. I mean, you're adding another top 25 player to the team. My, my, I guess my fear with him is is you're not going to just get him straight up for Tobias, you know. So I, I have this worry that they've had to put Maxi in a deal to, to kind of get Beal in here, which I don't really want to do. I, I'm honestly – I would try to find a way to – like my my problem with the Sixers is not even Harden or Embiid or, or Doc. Like – you know, I don't think Doc's great either, but you know, I think they blow more leads because they don't have enough guys in the in the rotation. Wow, well, yeah, yeah, definitely that. Yeah, the bench, the bench. Like, I mean, you know, like people wanted people wanted Embiid to play like the whole Bucks game. It's like, well, he played thirty nine minutes. You know, like these guys are like Maxi played, I think forty some. Um, like they're playing a ton of minutes because anytime that Joel Embiid goes out, it's a disaster. And the reason why it looked so good earlier this year is because they had an actual backup center behind them and, and Andre Drummond. So I don't even know if they need Beal. I just want to fill out the rest of it. Like, I, I, think the, I think the NBA is actually trending more towards uh, football where it's like great rosters are winning now more than superstars. Like, I think, I think the days of winning NBA championships by just getting the three, three best players together um, is, is almost over. Yeah, um, and, yeah. And, and, like last year's Bucks team sticks out. They went nine deep. I mean, they could just they could just roll off like a Connaughton out of nowhere, or Bobby Portis, or 
know, George Hill. And yeah, other, or, other than they, Giannis, they, no one really knows anybody on that team. And not only really. that, but, like, they outlasted that Nets team, that super team of uh, Irving, Harden, and, uh, and, and Hart, and Durant, rather. Um, yeah. And then look at the Suns. Like, yeah, they have Devin Booker, yeah. they have Chris Paul. But, like, yeah. outside of those two, like, would you say they have – like, th- those aren't stars over there. Right. No, you have perfect role players. You have uh, Mikael yeah. Bridges. You have mm-hmm. Cam Johnson. You have uh, Cam Payne. You have Aiden. You have uh, Jay Crowder. You have, like, just they, they can go nine deep. And, and Landry Shamit's, like, out there shooting, like, 45% from three. <laughs> so, of course he is. You know, of course he is. I, I just don't. I just don't think stars are the like. I think Embiid's definitely good enough to win a championship. I just think until Farquhar's off this roster, I can't take him seriously. Like he's the he's the Vince, he's the, he's the Vince Velasquez of the uh, of oh uh, my gosh basketball. What a and, what a comparison. That's such a good comparison. Very, yeah, it's top tier. Well, because like until until Vince was gone, I wasn't like fully gonna you know believe the team could be good. Now he's gone, and it's like hey, look, uh, we're we're in a playoff run, but. You know, and Shake's like Shake's fine, but what is Shake? Uh, Matisse is fine, but like he's a, a, a zero on offense. They just they need to find more exp- Like if they could find three more George Niangs, they'd win an NBA championship. Um, it's just they got to find more NBA caliber players, and they just they don't have that right now, and that's why I think they struggle more than anything else. Jack Fritz, the uh, show producer on ninety four point one WIP. You've been on, you know, you've had the chance to go national, right, with CBS Sports as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Jack Fritz, thank you so much for joining us. For Cameron Klein, my name is Justin Goodhart. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Fly Guys Podcast at Cameron Klein fifteen, and myself at Goodhart Justin Cameron. Not bad, huh? Not bad at all, dude. I mean, great guest, great man. Uh, thank you so much, Jack, for coming on to the show. We seriously really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the kind words, the advice as well. Um, it was a ton of fun. We would love to have you back on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. And uh, good luck with everything. Uh, it's not impossible. It's, I, I promise you I was in your shoes not that long ago, and frankly, I can't believe I'm here. So um, it, can, it can literally happen. To, it's not like I'm a special or anything. I'm just a guy. So, um, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on. Appreciate the kind words you guys have me. And, uh, yeah, good luck with everything, okay? Be happy, be healthy, wear your mask, get vaccinated if you can. And as always, let's go Phillies. It's opening daytime. <laughs> That's right.